I'm not pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work at home edition. So today I have Ovidio Cartagena who did the art direction for Rexia All Will Be One. And we're going to talk all about art direction today. Hey, Ovidio. Hey, what's up, Mark? Okay, so um, this is all about Frixia All Will Be One. So let's start from the very beginning, which is you find out you're going to be doing Frixia All Will Be One, the art direction of it. What are the big challenges? Like, what are the things you're most starting in you know, the very beginning that you most are concerned about? Um, so, yeah, when I found out, it was uh, it was interesting. I didn't have a lot of time to mentally get ready for it. And it was pretty exciting, too, at the same time. Um, some of the first cards I played were Phyrexians way back when. And... I immediately felt the pressure to honor that, honor those play experiences that I had, um, the legacy of Phyrexians and how um, how they feel. Um, uh, it was for me a lot about the storytelling and about their progress and their evolution um, and, and how that could play out back in how that sorry how that could play out forward to, to now how they've been what they've been up to and what that might look like from a vantage point of inside the world in world but also to match the world we're in now and of course to match my artistic influences and the stuff has, that has informed my work for years and also the um, the ideas that have been swimming around in the world in the last few months at that point. Yeah, just to, so the audience understands, the Phyrexians are actually our oldest enemy. Uh, uh, Antiquities, which was the second ever expansion that Magic made, introduced them. They were they have, it's the Brothers War first appeared there. They were a small thing, but that's the first time they got mentioned. And over the years, they were the main villain of the Weatherlight Saga. Uh, they had a big role when we met Scars and Mirrodin when we went back and watched them overtake Mirrodin and turn into New Phyrexia. So they are a villain that's been with Magic for almost the length of Magic being. Yeah, when you talk about trying to honor their history. They really are, in some ways, the most iconic magic villain, to me at least. Yes. And to go with it, we needed to come up with iconic shapes for the factions. They used to be only black, in it, black mana. In the early days, yes. Right? In the early days, uh, up until Scars of Mirrodin, they only showed up in black. Phyrexians were either um, artifact creatures... So they were, you know, generic colorless, or they were black. But when we brought them back in Scars and Mirrodin, we knew we wanted to sort of show all the colors of Phyrexians. And so that's when we started introducing, you know, multiple colors, all five colors of Phyrexians. Yeah, I loved, uh, one of the cards I used to love playing from that set was Suture Priest. Um, and I think White Phyrexians had... I think the least cosmetic changes, though we did refresh a lot. Um, I was trying to see how how culture, how their culture starts like 
extrapolating from when they were before. Uh, one thing I mentioned was think from tiktalic to mammals, mm-hmm. like the evolution that had to happen way up and how they were streamlined and how they started becoming entrenched in their individual mana cultures, how they each faction had its own philosophy and its own trappings as well, their weaknesses too. Because we in the set we also see like a lot of Phyrexian versus Phyrexian too. Mm-hmm. Not just uh, resistance versus Phyrexian, but Phyrexians versus each other because they have uh, they're still vying for control. Of course, we know who's going to end up controlling this. But I wanted to take a step back and see how these factions found themselves at odds, even though they have an overarching philosophy that drives them and a common origin, of course. So let's let's talk about those five factions based on color. So let, from from an art art standpoint. Let, let's walk through them and talk about what you did to sort of give them their own distinct look. So well, we'll just go in, in Wooburg order. So we'll start with white. So what what did you do to make sure that white, you know, um, you know Elish Norn's faction had its own distinct look? So I remember when I was, when I was preparing for the concept push, we were thinking um, about chess pieces at the beginning, at the very beginning, um, we were thinking about what what theme could come into each of these factions. But my first directive was to the artists, was please, this first week of the concept push, because we have a concept push. It takes three weeks of contract and in-house artists working together and figuring out what the set is going to look like, environments and creatures and artifacts, magic, everything. And for the first of the three weeks, I remember asking, don't do palette solutions this first week. Just give me black and white solutions you were either figure it out with the silhouette of the characters or the negative shape of the characters. Elish Norn's faction was probably the easiest to figure out. I think they had a very strong shape. Elish Norn is also like very iconic and uh, you have to remember also Atraxa. Mm-hmm. So the the shapes were kind of clear that like broken, I I would say like, it's like a double scythe. That sounds badass. But it also is like a taco with a bite on top. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. that little shape that looks like an inverted triangle. And we started from there. And we, we realized quickly that this was gonna be very iconic. The palette as well, Elish Norris palette is super Iconic is the colors of, in the 20th century, of revolution, of upheaval, of propaganda, and so on. So that determined a pretty clear and easy direction. Okay. Um, when, did, when did the idea of teeth come in, into, into it? Ah, uh, there are 
a few instances where teeth came up. The first instance in this set was during a specs, uh, spec push, which is something else. Like we, we start to figure out what sets way in the future might look like. Zach Stella made this plate where there was a building that had teeth in the middle. And I used it as reference. Um, I do remember that the concept artists saw some of my references. We had some like 20th century surrealism, a lot of that because this is the reason many of us got into art. Um, and it just blew. When we had one of the first presentations, oh, I laughed really hard at seeing, at seeing all those teeth and everything and just like utilized in such a weird way. And of course, this was uh, construed as an approval and a green flag. So people were like, okay, let's go ahead and pull through. Robbie gave us some characters that had teeth on their forearms and like just a bunch of weird stuff that was really cool. And the rest was history. Like we just started putting it everywhere because it became like a very interesting motif. And it's kind of uncomfortable. And what I've said before is, we have to understand that Phyrexians disregard original function in whatever designs they do. And they might end up with stuff that to us is disquieting. To them, it's quite beautiful and it makes sense and it's absolutely genius. Okay, so let's move on to Blue, Jingataxius. So what? Uh, how did you sort of give that faction its own look and feel? So the Nurocs, uh, who were like a Miran faction way back when, were some of the first to be absorbed and uh, because of their curiosity completely assimilated. And I liked the original designs where you see helmets with a bunch of like little eyes and bubbles on it. And I thought, well, you know what? Uh, what if we lean into this? What if we lean into surveillance? Um, and we had some earlier plates that I worked with Leon, uh, Leon Tucker is one of our concept artists. And, and I kept asking, no, put more eyes, put more cameras, because a lot of this looks like cameras on stocks, right? Like you're always being surveilled. It ended up matching Jenka Texas philosophy very well. And and it, it it started combining a lot of the elements that we associate with blue. Um, the eye, right, for prescribing or seeing or drawing cards, card advantage and so on. Uh, but also the motif of like squids and octopus and because the eye stocks start looking like tentacles effectively. Um, then we had something, right? Like we had something beyond water because we we're not using water here we're using quicksilver beyond water and water motifs and and it started getting scary and scientific and uh became kind of a foreboding for them uh this like amoral science that the jenga tax satisfaction does the progress engine okay Let's get into Shieldred and Black. So how did we get the Black faction its own distinct look? Well, 
there was a little bit of a um, there's a little bit of a rivalry between Shieldred and Elishnorn at the moment, and I, I wanted to take advantage of that. Uh, and Shieldred's shapes as well influenced a lot. Like Shieldred, as you know, is like just a torso that's changed between like a big spider body with a mouth and then like a kind of centipede in uh, Dominaria United. And so we were like, okay, you know what? These are going to be insect carapaces and we're going to look at beetles. We're going to look at, we're going to look at really like micro animals, like the, um, what's the name of that tiny one? The, the water bear. The, the which one? There's a there's a micro animal. It's like super resilient. It can live in space. It's it's called I don't, I don't remember, but it's it's yeah. It's colloquially referred to as a water bear. We're looking at at those shapes. Tardigrade. That's the name. Mm. Um, so we were looking at these type of like animals that have exoskeletons and they have like really thick armor. So Shieldred's uh, faction ended up looking very top heavy and it had, it still had red sinew, mm-hmm. right? It had acid etchings on the bodies and these started guiding like there, I think the mechanics start playing a big factor, just like I mentioned in, uh, in, in Blue Phyrexia, the mechanics start playing like a big role. Mm-hmm. There was going to be a, uh, the, the toxic mechanic and we were thinking about putting necrogen all over and then we were thinking, okay, so what if the necrogen creates all these like complex patterns on the carapace that the armor of black Phyrexians have? And we we started from, that was our very first starting point and then we added the insect shapes and so they all have this, this kind of like insectoid uh, shape language and even their... Um, even the dominus looks like that um kind of kind of metal kind of like has some centipede shape but they have like a spine motif and so we started playing around with red bones and red sinew uh it's of course it's the most brutal of the factions and i ended up uh, liking it very much um one comment i got was that we avoided purple uh, which is what we normally use for uh, for black and magic, uh, but it still looks white black mana aligned. Okay, let's move on to Urbrask and the red faction. So, how did you give the red faction its distinct look? So the red faction was interesting because I, I like the the original Urbrask design. Um, it looked a little kind of sci-fi to me with a with a uh, he had some back exhausts uh where there's like glowing inside and so on so i started by asking what if you feel like you are inside a motorcycle engine mm-hmm. or a pipe organ and I, I this took me back um I'm pretty sure you've heard, I, I based a lot of this on the Divine Comedy. And I remember a trip to Italy where I saw an, uh, a pipe organ that was several stories high. And it, it had like this 
tiny bench and a keyboard at the center. But the human executing this machine looked ridiculously small <laughs> against, I had never seen an instrument that big and I was shocked. I took notes and I waited maybe 11 years to use that inspiration <laughs> until we we designed Ura Brass's like uh, layer mm -hmm. and we started doing all the, all the elements in Red Phyrexia. And so combining combining engines and motorcycles and some Phyrexians actually have like exhaust pipes. And I don't know if anyone's seen, no, I think they people have seen it. The new Urobrask uh, card that Campbell White painted and he's like spewing black smoke and it looks like he has a cape. So it was kind of like a very cool, um, cool look to me. Like it, it, it looked musical on both ends. Okay, uh, let's get to the, the final faction of, of the Frexians, uh, Vorinclex and the Green Faction. How do we make the Green Faction give its distinct look? Um, we were thinking about the Tangle in Mirrodin, and one of the things was these are like extreme Darwinists, extreme evolutionists, and the idea of Rexians actually being able to hide in the environment. It's they are made of the same texture in the environment. And as many um that that texture is like uh, oxidized copper. And as many as much as we tried, it was a little hard to make it work. Um artists normally use Fog, mist, clouds, uh, and chroma desaturation to create depth. But that's, that's really hard if the environment is kind of sterile and not very moist. But again, we thought of acid and we needed a little bit of a, of a color punch within the creatures. And at the same time, they have toxic. So the mechanics and, uh, and the art start playing again with each other. And we added some like green pops on them, and that that ended up uh, coming out nicely. So it became kind of a theme where most directions just look like a bunch of branches, but in between the branches, you can see green glow coming out. Um, this, I think, that was probably my. Uh, I don't I don't like playing favorites because I'm really attached to everyone, but it was probably my favorite looking texture, like my favorite motif. And as I said before, like with that, we ended up getting them to look pretty different and unique from each other uh, because we started from shapes, from negative shapes rather than from color. Like I, I took like one leg off the chair to see how people could manage, and I think they did great. The art concept artists did great. People are having a good reaction to the set uh, and liking the art as well. So another part of the Phyrexians, we talked about the factions, but another important part was so there are, there are nine sort of uh, spheres, I guess, uh, of Phyrexia. How did you handle sort of location? How did you get the like the physical look for each of the nine spheres? So they were hand in hand, uh, at least the at least the five spheres 
that deal with each faction were hand in hand mm-hmm. with um, the creature design. Uh, I was thinking a, a little bit as a an uh, inverse uh, inverse Dante's Inferno. Um, you you make your way down to heaven, mm-hmm. and heaven, of course, being realm breaker. <laughs> the world tree that's gonna invade everything, and but on the outside, I remember this uh, description of the first circle or the vestibule of hell being the people who who were virtuous but not Christian, and they, they're like Roman philosophers and Greeks and heroes of old and so on, and they're all like exchanging lofty words and ideas and so on. They live in this like kind of, uh, it's not a paradise exactly. They live withdrawn, but they do live in a world of the mind and talking among each other. So I was thinking, oh, this sounds, it, it's, it sounds a little shallow to me. Like these people have a shallow comfort and the facade ended up being that, representing that, like, it's it's these hollow monuments mm. to Phyrexia. There's this like sense of artificiality. The facade is on top. It's it's a layer that surrounds all of all Meriden built on top just to glorify Phyrexia. So it's extremely, I would say, shallow and kind of representative of what they like the hubris that they're falling into right now. That might might be their downfall. Um, they threw the suns in this array, and under it, you see um, the surface of Old Meriden. Uh, mostly was scrapped, in, uh, including the glimmer void. Mm-hmm. And there you see where gravity starts playing tricks. All the metal is being sucked into the outer sphere. Um, the light is dappled, and on down, all light sources are either slag, uh, acid, necrogen, uh, uh, magic, dark magic that the that the progress engine uses, um, and mist in the case of uh, Elishnorn Sphere. Um, the Micasynth is untouched. Uh, mysteriously, Phyrexias have not been able to to deal with it correctly, and uh, Blink Moths are still being used by Mirins. That was something they, they used for the weapons. And and down below you have Realm Breaker, who's like the main thing on this coming set. So you, you bring up the Rebels. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the Rebels, because that's... Uh, so not everybody... A, a large amount of the set is Phyrexian, but not everybody is Phyrexian. So let's talk a little bit about how you made the Rebels and give them, them a, their own distinctive look. So we took it, I was thinking about what happens to cultural differences if there's a common threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marins did have quite a few cultural differences and philosophical too. Uh, the elves were all gone. The only one is Glissa and Glissa we know what, what side she's on. Um, and we mostly saw Volshoks and Noriaks in in Mirrodin, or in Phyrexian this time. But they all have coalesced into a single culture. 
and they've used whatever tools they had and whatever tools they found to create their their own carve out their own holes and try to survive and maybe even take Phyrexia, take Mirrodin back for them. Um, but it's it's a it's it's an overwhelmed force for sure. We use the hexagon and the hex plates as a symbol for them, thinking about the ruined glimmer void. Uh, the, I loved every card that had the glimmer void in it back in the day. It just looked so sleek and nice, and it was kind of heartbreaking to see it destroyed like that. Um, and I remember bringing in Kieran Yanner, uh, who was working on uh, Mirrens and uh, Grey Highsmith. And we started thinking, okay, so the we we used almost every color. <laughs> What's left? Uh, and we tried a few options, and we ended up with gold. Um, it works. That there's a big Auroch influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we used the contrast of blink moth color, right? Like that nice uh, cyan that shifts to kind of like an aquamarine mm-hmm. um, for for blade edges and and accents and so on. So as as I said before, like a lot of these decisions are aesthetic, but they end up playing nicely with the lore and the mechanics. We start like um, we're in communication at all times. You know that like the game designer comes to the yeah. to the to the concept push wall reviews and so on and gives us their ideas and and the writer too the narrative lead is taking a look at everything and making sure we are making sense because artists you know we go crazy with stuff so it all ended up playing together i like how mirrors look and um, we did end up including quite a bit of the um factions and species that were found in the old meriden so did uh so you're talking about connecting mechanics to visual looks. So for Mirrodin was the mechanic that we gave the rebels, right? These were artifacts mm-hmm. that sort of came with a tutu rebel attached to it. Did you did that inspire you to give a a, a certain certain look for all the the artifacts, all the equipment? Indeed, um, two things. Uh, as I mentioned, the blink moth magic which is serving to keep them pure and keep the like, the Phyrexianization away. Because as you as you know, there's there's acid in the air. It's toxic and it's it's just really uh perilous to be inside this mm-hmm. uh inside this world. Um but also when I was about to when we were about to commission, my directive was let's let's please not show just the still life of an object sitting there, someone holding it, uh, or or just like the typical just hand raising there. Like there's some of that, but the most I wanted to see was uh, a Mirren wielding the weapon some way. Like artists found several clever ways to to depict that, to show a Mirian, a Baron wielding a weapon, no matter what, in the background or in the foreground or pushing the weapon forward. Like there's a Mirren battle chair, which is super cool and it's making its way through the, through the, to the green 
player, um, but we always see a wielder. And that was really important to me because I wanted to give them a presence. And and also the mechanic feels more fun that way. It also makes sense because now you've got the artifact in your hand. You, from looking at the art, you already know that it comes with a creature. Mm-hmm. So we're almost, uh, I'm almost to my desk here. So uh, we got to wrap up. Any final thoughts about the making, like the making of the art of, of uh, Phyrexia? Um, yeah, we snuck in uh, quite a few Easter eggs, uh, references to Dante's Inferno. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm still hoping people call them out. Um, people have called out a few. Um, I'm still hoping for all of them to be found, or at some point I might post like a thread or something about mm-hmm. what what we were thinking about. I'm really excited. Um, I like the reception. People liked the set uh, at Philadelphia. Um, I had uh, I had a lot of nice comments uh, comments about the set, and people um, people were excited about the about the mechanics, about the expansion. Uh, about how it looked and there's of course like the crawling chorus is the most mentioned card (laughs) for its aesthetics it's quite crazy i love how it looks (laughs) i hope i can do more stuff like that in future sets but uh, we had a lot of fun like the phyrexian pro the process of developing the art for this was um was filled with fun and jokes and laughter in a way that um, I, I haven't seen in other sets. Uh, interestingly, that interesting that we're dealing with something horrific, but at the same time, we just had a blast working on it. And there's a lot of happiness during the um, creation. Yeah, I mean, one of the interesting things about it, Herb, before we wrap up, is I know there's a little bit of worry in that the Phyrexians can lead very off-putting, right? They, they definitely are, you know... There's a way to do the Frexians that make you not want to look at them because they're so sort of disturbing. And we really wanted to find a way to make them Frexian, but something that was kind of fun to look at and not, you didn't want to turn away. And that, that having that balance, I know, was a tricky thing. Yes. Yes. Uh, we were always trying to to look for that perfect middle spot. Um, I think... In some cases, uh, going overboard <laughs> sealed the deal for us, like yeah. in Mondrak. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, my God, Jesus Christ, all those mouths. But at the same time, once you recover from it, you're like, oh, my God, this is like, this is ludicrous. You know, I can't <laughs> believe they made this. So some of this stuff became outrageous enough that uh, it went into the other side and people had like a a fun reaction and and uh and of course you get to watch stare at it for a while on the board if it stays on the board yeah um so i imagine that uh i I think we kept up with the times and we made something that every player can enjoy yes so anyway i i I just want to congratulate you I, i think the set has a really fun distinctive look that, you know, really is evocative of what we needed it to be. So congrats for you and your team and all your artists that did a great job. But... Thank you very much, Mark. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Uh, But? But I'm just saying, but we are... I'm at my desk, so we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. 
So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So I want to thank the video for being with us. And I will see all of thank you. you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us. And all of you, I will see you next time. Bye-bye.